Good day. Welcome. You are listening to Conversations from the Porch with your host, author, researcher, and intrepid truth-teller, Jack Hart. Jack is looking at the forest through the trees somewhere on the Cumberland Plateau. Now, from the porch, here's Jack Hart. Okay, we're sitting back uh, on, on the porch another Friday morning. Beautiful sunny day here in uh, East Tennessee up on the Cumberland Plateau, which uh, I, would, I would recommend uh, if, if, if you live in like Ireland or uh, any of those places that have been invaded and you feel it's hopeless, come here. Australia, New Zealand, we need people. Anyway, I was listening to Kaminsky's uh, broadcast uh, last night. Yeah, it was pretty good. He had a good guest on for, for once besides Loki there. Loki's, Loki's like the only one that really, he's interesting. Reminds me a lot of uh, Swiptak. Reminds me a real lot of Swiptak. But in any case, uh, this, this uh, Mike King, he's been in the business a long time. Uh, he got in early before uh, Amazon was a total fraud, and Amazon promoted his books, and he made some money, and uh, ran a couple of sites and stuff like that. Uh, anyway, uh, I, I recommend that, uh, listening to that one, but uh, although Julian didn't call in, he was waiting for Julian to call in. He, was, he got a call from England, he was like, Julian! Uh, no, Julian. Anyway. Uh, he tried to do a uh, clergy, and I, I guess he wrote a book on clergy, but I uh, wasn't really satisfied with the way he did it, uh, and uh, I think I'm going to have to do it over here for you. Uh, the clergy plans, Kadavi clergy, or but you should just call him Richard, because that's what people like the Archduke of Austria called him, and Baron D. Rothschild and the Warburg brothers. He was just plain old Richard. Uh, he was one of the boys. This guy was a... He was born with a, a platinum spoon in his mouth. His father was an Austrian aristocrat. And his father fell in love with a Japanese aristocrat. And they got married and they bounced around between Aust Austria and uh, J Japan. I mean, Hitler called him a mutt. And he was a being a half-breed, I think it was, Hitler called him. I'll get to that, but... But in any case, uh, it, actually, the Japanese uh, side of the family, uh, they, they, they were dishonored because uh, uh, she had married... She was like, uh, you know, she was like the niece of the emperor or some shit, and uh, it was a dishonor for her to marry a, 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 a European, you know? They, they looked down on us probably more than we looked down on them. So uh, he was uh, he was always treated, I'll bet, like a half-breed. Uh, you know, his Wikipedia bio talks about all oh, his fencing lessons and going all over with his father. Yeah, but uh, you know what? Psychologically, this guy had the deck stacked against him from the, the, the start. Uh, and sometimes you got to look at the, 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 the purveyors of ideas to understand where their ideas come from. Uh, he did end up committing suicide in his old age, so uh, maybe he wasn't too happy with his own ideas. Anyway, 
this guy, uh, he was a high-level Freemason by birth, and uh, he was backed by the Warburg brothers, the Rothschilds, uh, and, and the Habsburgs, too. Uh, and he, he got into these Masonic lodges, and he started talking about this, this uh, pan-European stuff here. Uh, and he wrote a book. It's called Pan-Europia. And it was published in 1923. Okay? Now we're going to stop with his history there. Let's get back to what happened in Germany now. Uh, Germany had been... It was in complete chaos, okay? Uh, Kurt Eisner, who was a, a, was a, a professional rabble-rouser, uh, uh, they hold him a draft dodger, and, uh, you know, he's... Uh, I won't even say he was a member of the uh, the tribe, okay, and uh, he had sacked Bavaria in 1918, and uh, he actually threw the House of Wittelschach and ruled it for like 700 years there, threw them out of there, and uh, he had uh, he had actually claimed that that, that this was the uh, Soviet uh, Republic of uh, of Bavaria, but. Uh, his, his uh, time on earth was short-lived. Uh, he was a real lunatic, too. He wanted to have, have sex in the streets and stuff like, you know, open love, with all, all that crap. But uh, he didn't live long because uh, he was shot dead by uh, another Jew, Anton Arco Valley. Uh, and, you know, when you hear about all the Jews and the Germans, and uh, it should be remembered that Himmler was plotting on breaking... He, 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 they, they ended up acquitting him, but Valley... Uh, was I think he was locked up for a year or two, and then uh, all the while Hitler and the uh, what would become the SS was planning on breaking him out. And this is a nice Jewish boy, Jewish mother. So there goes your you know your hate for Jews. The Germans supposedly had, especially people like Himmler, uh, who was leading the breakout. Unlike, uh, well, they ain't gonna leave their people in jail like we do. Anyway. But by, by ni 1919, they had taken over again, uh, the Bolsheviks. And that, again, they were with this uh, uh, revolution of love uh, and calling it a so Bavaria's the Soviet Republic. And uh, they, they were wiring Lenin about that the, the, the ministry had left so fast that they had taken the, the keys to the toilet with them. Uh, this is how smart these guys were. And uh, they, 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 uh, an ex-mental patient was, uh, was the foreign minister, uh, Franz Lipp. He actually declared war on Switzerland because they wouldn't lend them 60 trains. It was a comedy show. And they took a bunch of people, hostages, uh, leading people from uh, the Thule Society in Germany. And uh, they murdered them on Walpurgis night. As some kind of, it was probably some kind of demonic sacrifice. Uh, and these were some of the leading citizens of, of Germany. Uh, well, actually, one of them was a Jew. I forget his name. Uh, oh, Jesus. But he was one of the, uh, he was one of the architects of National Socialism. There you go. Uh, Berger. Berger was his name. Berger. And he was killed, too. He was a martyr for National Socialism. But in any case... Uh, this, these free corps, these were the uh, World War I veterans. He was a battle-hardened guys. They had surrounded Munich. And when uh, they had about 30,000 battle-hardened troops all around Munich, and when they murdered these, these, these aristocrats, that, that was the end of it. They went in and they fought a, a, 
a bloody, bloody battle with the communists. They killed like 3,000 of them fighting. Then they, they lined them up and shot and hung the rest of them, including uh, Lip and the, uh, all, all the leaders of it. They, they, were, they were hung. All right? So now you got Hitler. And Hitler emerges onto the scene in 1920. And by 1923, Hitler was ready for the beer hall push. Now, the beer hall push was supposed to be successful. The two society had planned that they, they, those police were not supposed to open fire on them. That's why what happened happened. They, was, uh, they were routed when the police opened fire on them because they didn't expect the police. So they were told the police were going to let them through. Uh, but there was a double cross there. And it was a double cross there because of clergy the Freemasons, and the rest of the German aristocracy. They were not going to let Hitler, because this was the plan, Hitler was supposed to become the Holy Roman, Roman Emperor. He was going to be Barbarossa. Later he named the invasion of Russia after Barbarossa. But instead he ended up spending a year in jail. And as he was in jail, uh, clergy went to work. And uh, <coughs> he came up with this <coughs> pan-European plan. All right, let, let me, I, I'm going to have to read to, a little bit of this to you. I don't remember, I know that's boring, but uh, superficially, clergy's plan called for European integration, the academic label now put on the process of industrial, economic, political, legal, social, and cultural integration of European states. The current agenda of the European Union. Uh, by the time of the, uh, the Great Depression, Clergy's International Pan-European Union had 8,000 committee members drawn from the most illustrious salons of European privilege. In 1927, the French went into it with uh, Big Two, with Emile Biorl, the leader of the left, uh, center-left radical party, and he founded a, a radical uh, a French committee for European cooperation. And 20 more countries set up equivalent committees. Uh, now... He was the principal power in Austria, this guy, Kalergi. And uh, him and Hitler kind of like went at it with this, this plan. His original vision was for a world divided into only five states. A United States of Europe that would link continental countries with French and Italian possessions in Africa. A Pan-American Union encompassing North and South America. A British Commonwealth circling the globe the USSR spanning Eurasia, and a Pan-Asian Union whereby the Japan and China would control most of the Pacific. And to him, uh, the, the, he, the only hope of, uh, of, of Europe devastated by war was to federate along lines of the Hungarian-born Romanian Ariel Pavacci, who had come up with this idea first. He wasn't that smart, Kalerzy. He's plagiarized like most of these Freemasons are. So, but at least he gave credit to where he got the idea. Uh, according to clergy, uh, pan-European uh, would encompass, as I said, more flexible, more competitive Austria-Hungaria empire, with English serving as the world language spoken by everyone in addition to their native tongue. He believed that individualism and socialism were learned to co cooperate instead of compete and urge that capitalism and communism cross-fertilize just as Protestant Reformation spurred the Catholic Church to regenerate itself. Uh, now... He was also very influential in Asia, and he spoke a lot in Japan. Uh, they, they were influenced by his ideas. Uh, and he envisioned a new Europe, uh, tended to by uh, what he called Eurasian Negroids, because he felt they would get along better with uh, the, uh, the, the, the more socialist uh, uh, hordes of the East. 
the, he would make more friends. Uh, the, the illiteracy, they would make more friends if we weren't around, uh, you know, us, us, us annoying white people. Uh, so the Kalurzi plan was to get rid of us. And you can look around now at what they've done to Europe. You know, you, you got to remember that these people, they work generationally. Uh, when they come up with a plan, they don't have to institute it right away. They got hundreds of years. As long as you leave them in the driver's seat, they got. They, they waited a hundred years, but they got it done, man. They got it done. Uh, Northern Europe, places like Ireland and stuff. They're, they're, they're black now. They're not. They're not, They look more like Africa, Paris, uh, London. Yeah, they're all black now. Uh, they're doing the same thing in the United States with the open borders. Uh, you know, by let, letting in all, all, all the colored races. And this is, this is in accordance with a Masonic plan. It's called the Kalurgy plan. And any, any, any economist or like these morons like Alex Jones you listen to, and, and uh, I, I, can't tell, I can't tell you enough how... how, how I, I don't even understand how anybody could... But if you don't talk about the Kalurgy plan, you don't understand... What, what we're going through now, and what Hitler was going through, okay? Now, this was a battle for, 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 for supremacy between this, this crown prince of the, uh, of the Freemasons, that Hitler would end up uh, outlawing Freemason, uh, Freemasonry because of clergy, and uh, he actually chased clergy, as clergy all over Europe. He chased them out of Austria when he annexed Austria, then he, uh, Kalurgi runs, runs to uh, Czechoslovakia, which Hitler uh, drove him out of there when he annexed that. So uh, uh, he goes to France, and when France capitulated, he, he fled to the United States, and he hid there. He was backed by all, all the American, uh, the usual, usual uh, well, the, the usual bastards, uh, the, uh, the people who started the CIA, uh, the, 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 the brothers there, uh, and uh, he, he had actually, uh, uh, Roosevelt backed them, and, and Churchill backed them, but well, Roosevelt and Churchill uh, backed off of, of, of it a bit because uh, clergy from the United States, the safety of the United States, announced that he was the de facto government of Austria, and uh, they didn't back that statement up. Uh, but other people like these these idiots in the CIA, and they they are nothing but idiots, rich, little rich boys. Yeah, my grandfathers were dying on the beaches and in, and in the Battle of the Bulge, and you were sitting in London bars. We'll we'll settle for that someday. We'll settle for that. Uh, but this guy clergy, uh, his plan ended up uh, being being what was victorious because. Uh, People like William Canaris, Ludwig Beck, uh, Field Marshal von Witzblumen, uh, uh, Franz Halder, uh, Hans Alster, these were all freaking German general staff, and they were aristocrats, and they, they wanted, clergy was their guy. And what they did is they got Germany out there on, on the... Uh, on the steps of Russia, and they sabotaged its supply lines. Uh, 
They, they didn't give the intelligence uh, that they needed. They, they really screwed them at Stalingrad. They didn't even tell them that the Fifth Army was a, 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 a monster brewing in the forest beyond the river. Uh, uh, the whole tank, uh, half, uh, Soviet Union transferred half its tanks there. They were telling Hitler that the, 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 the Russians couldn't launch a counter, and they knew these tanks were there, couldn't launch a counterattack, yeah. They launched the mother of all counterattacks, and these guys lied. They lied to Hitler's face. And that's why Germany lost the war. They lost the war because these guys wanted to institute what you see now. They want uh, they wanted an Africa, African Miss Island, I guess, because that's what you got now. Uh, so we're going to—I got an article here from uh, a guy named Nassani. He, writes, he used to write for VT with me in the heyday. I looked for one of his old articles where he talked about how the rabbis in, in, in America had uh, actually starved the Jews in the concentration. They wouldn't give them any supplies because they wanted them to go to Israel. And they, they figured if you went to a concentration camp, you weren't going to Israel, so screw you. You don't get no food. And that's what they did. They made all the Jews. They, the Jews in the United States wanted to send supplies and help. They wouldn't, they wouldn't allow it to go through. But Nassani documented all this. And he's wrote another article over here that's more in Billsfield. It's about America. It's, uh, it's the, 16, uh, you know, the 16 precepts on which uh, we destroyed ourselves, basically. These, these, this is what destroyed America. And uh, me and Bill have to go through the last uh, tw uh, 12 of the 25 points, which I see, I see, if, if we take this and make it for everybody, this could be a solution. This, this is our solution. I, I, maybe some of you people are bored with economics. It took me a long time to write about this. <coughs> I was being asked to write about veteran stuff in 2014, 2015. I don't like economics either. It gives me a headache. But uh, as Bill said, yeah, you know, uh, we need economics and we need money. Uh, we're not going to live, even if there's a billion of us left after whatever's going down goes down. Uh, we're not going to be able to live without some kind of economic system, and even in small communities. We will need an economic system. And from there, Bill, why don't you take the points of talk long enough with you? Well, there's a couple of things um, that I'll introduce with this. Something that I've I've been dealing with, with other folks, uh, pretty much better part of the week, is um, in addition to having a medium of exchange for goods and services, work, um, which is what money is. It's a medium of exchange, a monetary medium of exchange. Uh, George. Jack just gave me the thought with regard to even in small communities, you have to have economy. And well, in addition to economy, you have to have leadership. I've got a friend that is uh, in the middle of putting together a, a commune of people over 60 for the most part, half a dozen families moving into a 200-acre plot of land, everybody putting their houses up and so on and so forth. Wonderful dream. Good old-age community until everybody's old. But uh, they, they don't talk about leadership. Who's going to be in charge of making sure everybody is doing what they agree to do? Boy, it sure sounded like an HOA to me. And the homeowners associations are crazy business. 
But back to the uh, 25 points. The leadership that was brought forth in those 25 points, the platform, the agenda, uh, was different. It was something different than what you were seeing out of the Soviets. It was something different than you were seeing out of the royalty and aristocrats of Europe or from America, although America was implementing a lot of these plans in their own way and have implemented them in their own way, uh, almost to the point where during the 1950s, uh, we were more than halfway there, because a lot of these points are already in our Constitution. Uh, several of them are. But let's get back to our discussion on those. Um, last week, we covered up through 12, 13, sort of. Yeah, we went to 13. Um, but I want to reiterate point 10, which was the, the introduction to the next six, seven demands. The first obligation of every citizen must be to work both spiritually and physically. The activity of individuals is not to counteract the in interests of the universality, but must have its result within the framework of the whole for the benefit of all. So consequently, we demand. Now we go to 13, and it says we demand the nationalization of all previous associated in industries. Well, to really understand that, it doesn't stand alone. You have to go back to... Um, Point 11 and 12, the abolition, 11 is the abolition of unearned work and labor incomes, breaking of rent slavery. We discussed that pretty well. In Number 12 is in consideration of the monstrous sacrifice of property and blood that each war demands of the people. Personal enrichment through war must be designated as a crime against the people. Therefore, we demand the total confiscation of all war profits. Now, go to 13, we demand the nationalization of all previous, meaning those companies involved in war profits. Um, we demand the nationalization of all associated industries. And that was, I think, and this is my personal opinion on that, that particular point was to do their best to stop wars based upon profit from war. Stop the cycles. Fourteen, we demand the division of all profits of all heavy industries. Um, I think that one there is talking about, well, something my father used to do in the fur industry after he lost his businesses, the FIT. Uh, they do something called piecework. Where the workers share in, in, in the, uh, the product, productivity of whatever industry they're working in. So if the factory and uh, manufacturing, if you turned out this amount of furs, you made more money that day than you turned out a lesser amount the day before. Uh, so peace, uh, and it resulted in, you know, sometimes you'd go to work, you'd come home in five or six hours, it was a full day. They, they got the work done and they shared, the, and they got paid better than the... Uh, uh, you know, he was. At, this was in what the 70s. He was making uh, 30, 40 dollars an hour. Uh, so uh, they got paid much better, much better than regular factory workers. 
It's called piecework, or it was called piecework back then. Yeah, you get paid for each piece that you put together. Yeah. I think that's why they call it that, either that or in peacetime. I don't know. I don't know why they call it that. It, it's because you get paid for each piece yeah. that you do. Um, and, and, in, and we'll get in a little farther into that where you'll see where that comes into play um, in one of the other points further down. Um, number 15 is we demand an expansion on a large scale of old age welfare. We've already got that in the United States. Right. It's been bankrupted, co-opted, and so on. Yeah, well, it's it, called Social Security. It kills them that we have it, too. They've been, it's been under attack, basically, since we got it. Uh, uh, I'll mention one more point with this guy, uh, you know, uh, with Mike King. Uh, you know, like, they, they, they condemned Eisenhower really bad. And I understand why, I've said, uh, Eisenhower killed him a lot of Germans after the war. But Eisenhower was not, uh, he was also one of the better politicians America ever had. I've read letters by Eisenhower to his brother, and he was talking about H.L. Hunt, the guy who really killed Kennedy, and the rest of these scumbags, and about how they were after Social Security. And this was in the 50s when he first became president. He wrote his brother about them. And they think they're going to run this country with no Social Security, no, no social programs, uh, just wide open, you know, uh, 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 robber baron rules. And uh, he was dead set against this. And uh, these are private letters to his brother where he says, you know, they're not dealing with an idiot this time. And uh, he, he swore he would, he would stop them. And, you know, and then he's got the military-industrial complex speech to his credit, too. So don't, please don't discount out, uh, uh, I don't want to hear this Swedish Jewish boy, you know, because uh, some of the guys, things you guys say is just, uh, did anybody ever smack you? Uh, you know, because you, you throw out racial epithets and shit like that in the circles I ran in, and somebody knock your teeth out. Uh, no, I, I, Eisenhower has a complicated politician, uh, and yeah, it was responsible. You get no argument with me. From me, he he was a war criminal too, but uh, was he? He was not the main war criminal. Those guys like Morgenthau and stuff, they were the ones who planned it all. So, I just wanted to say that in in reference to this, uh, the uh, old age and that Social Security. You have to understand these guys. They, they wanted to do away with this to, since after World War II. They wanted to get rid of your Social Security. Go ahead, Bill. Okay, so the next one comes to point 16. It says, we demand the creation of a healthy middle class and its conservation, immediate communalization of the great warehouses and their being leased at low cost to small firms. The utmost consideration of all small firms and contracts with the state, county, and municipality. Well, they've been trying to do that in the United States as long as I've been around. Uh, as far as, quote, help, air, air finger quote, helping the small businesses, I don't see as it's, it, whatever they've tried has really worked very well. They do grants and they do training programs and they do uh, lease sharing programs until the ones who run the major industries believe and, and develop a fair system which will never happen. The little guy's out of luck. Um, he can sell locally. He can sell on a small scale. 
But until somebody in, the, in way farther up in the food chain says, well, this guy's got a good idea. Let's lift him up a little bit. Whether it be a, a manufacturer of widgets, a, uh, an artist, a thinker, uh, putting information out, whatever it happens to be, it, there is a cap. And, and Jack and I have been, discussed that numerous times this week, the caps that are put on people. But number 16 was tried uh, by the United States government. That one would be a hard one to work. Um, now, number 17, land reforms. They demanded a land reform suitable to their needs, provision of a law for the free expropriation of land for the purposes of public utility, and the abolition of taxes on land and prevention of all speculation in land. Well, that would put Bill Gates out of business, wouldn't it? Well, him and the Chinese both. Um, Currently... Well, isn't there a specific law against foreigners? Uh, I think that's in there, too, against foreigners. Go back to the beginning, yeah. Yeah. The thing we're looking at with this one, besides the the expropriation of land, and I'm sure that back in the 20s when everybody read this, they said, oh, the government's taking land from people. Well, what the hell do you think's happening in the United States today? I want to build a new highway. I want to give my Uncle Billy some uh, extra money, so I'm going to hire him to do it. But we need 27 homes along this road to widen the road. They come in eminent domain, supposedly give somebody what is uh, fair market value for the property, yeah, and they just take away. their property. Father lost a $10 million business for eighty grand because they wanted to build Fashion Institute of Technology over on 27th Street in New York City. Yeah, well, I got screwed by the government three times already. Oh, four, four counting my writing career. Well, we see it all here. You know, we've got the expansion of the highway. All of that land was bought... At a discount, there's no doubt about it. I've I've talked to the people involved. Um, we got yeah, like 127. The main road coming to uh, Phil's house is just uh, oh, there's more heavy equipment there than you used to see around New York. Uh, they got it all torn up. They're taking down houses, moving houses, moving telephone poles, uh, paving, uh, different, uh, a massive massive construction project going on there. And all those homes have been appropriated by 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 uh, Tennessee because they were in the way. Uh, I don't, Bill says he knows. Uh, are they getting what those the value of the home from the government? Uh, not not nearly. No. Um, maybe between sixty and eighty percent of what the value during the time when they were purchased was. Right, but that property's worth a lot more now. Sure it is. Crossville's booming. Sure it is. <laughs> and, and here's what happens with and situations. And that road's going to make it boom more. <laughs> Here, here's what happens with situations like that. They, they start this program 10 years ago, and they go in and get some grants to do studies. Then they get the grants to do the, the surveys, and then they get other grants, and this is all as far as I'm concerned, an upside-down situation as far as going for grants to the federal government, the state government, and so on. But ultimately what we wind up with is uh, the prices they pay for the land five years ago, uh, those prices could double, quadruple. uh, And so the people are really screwed in the end anyway. The one thing I like about that particular provision, number 17, is the abolition of taxes on land and the prevention of speculation. Uh, 
Speculation is, is what drives a lot of pricing. The gambling on Wall Street, those kinds of things. The gambling on the Chicago mercantile market on futures. All of that drives prices crazy. Um, so speculation, that's, that's a tough one to, to regulate. People are going to gamble. But the, I guess that's government-sponsored gambling. Well, the, the Germans were, uh, well, the National Socialists were convinced that the only really fair form of, in, of tax was uh, income tax. Uh, they would definitely, once you paid for a piece of land, that's yours, man. You don't have to pay them any more money to own your own land. Uh, and uh, Well, there was a movement in the United States right. to get uh, colloidal title to land because as long as you're paying property taxes on a piece of land you supposedly you don't really own. own it. You don't own it. You own it with the government, and the government can come and take it because you don't pay them. To me, that's, that's extortion at the end of a gun. Uh, and it's the abolition of private property. Hey, you got hey, you're halfway to Marxism right there, right there. You got one foot in Marxism, which the Germans wouldn't touch. Uh, so, uh, so we're going to go to number 18. Number 18, we might... This fits in with a lot of things that uh, Jack Hart writes, the, the contributors to Jack Hart write. Um, number 18, we demand struggle without consideration. Now, that's an, a term I want you all to think about. Struggle without consideration against those who actively is injurious to the general interest. That, that particular statement says we will not to the, even to the point of extreme prejudice, um, allow the following things. Common national criminals, users, Scheiber. Well, Scheiber is your drug dealer. Scheiber is a, is a drug dealer or a gangster. It's a pusher. And that's, that's what everybody on Wall Street is. You need to get over your Gordon Gecko syndrome and see these scumbags for what they really are. They're gangsters, man, and they, they, they're using your money. They, they don't have any money. They, don't, they, they can't even tie their own shoes. They're pushing paper around in circles, and they're vampiring anything productive in this country, especially middle America, especially middle America. We have, we have everything here. We have all the food. We have all the freaking gold, all, all, all the gas, all the oil. What do they have? They don't have no They don't even have manufacturing anymore. You know, we should pay Putin to bomb New York City. Go ahead, Bill. So let's read the whole number 18. We demand struggle without consideration against those who, whose activity is injurious to the general interest. Common national criminals, usurers, Scheiber, and so forth are to be punished with death without consideration yes. of confession or race. That is the strongest indication that they were bringing law and order back to the country. And they brought that without consideration of somebody's confession, without consideration of whether they were a, a, a different race than, than the normal walk-a-day Germans. The key there is they knew usurers, bankers, people that charged lots and lots of money. The people, George and, and Jack and I have sat and talked over and over and over about um, they were punished with death. Simple and that's the as only that. way to get rid of them. 
Think of all the criminals, all the gangsters in Washington and backing the people in Washington. Think of how Wall many Street millions of people murdered. they've murdered in the last 20, 20 years. I mean, last two years. How many have they murdered just I in mean, the last two served. years? I mean, you served. They were paying you to go overseas and, and kill brown people, basically. Right. right. You know? And for their profit. These are killers. They, they, Gordon Gecko with his cute little suit and stuff. No, that's not what they are. They are murderers. They are killers. They are gangsters. And we need to get rid of them. Every, every last vestige of them. Go ahead. And I've said time and time again, trials and tribunals needed to have started many years ago. And those trials and tribunals would be against those individuals that we see every day standing up and, and doing the things that the majority of people in this country and around the world know through just the, their humanity are wrong and they're causing death and injury to others. 19, we demand substitution of a German common law in place of the Roman law serving a materialist world order. And it, goth laws, goth law, goth law. The goths had laws for everything, and they had to use like uh, the same thing that the uh, the Norse used later on. The uh, the thing where they would all meet and discuss it and use common sense. Not this. You can't. Well, it goes back to Gilgamesh. Gilgamesh had a list of laws as well, and and it was a lot of the the same issues. Um, if you're going to be a usurer, we're going to cut your feet off. You steal from somebody, we're going to cut your hand off. Um, the, the common law that is used in the United States, uh, unbeknownst to most people, is the Uniform Commercial Code. That book... It's Roman law, right? Say again? It's Roman law, right? It's maritime law. Maritime it's law. It's maritime law. But that maritime law is based on Roman law. It's based on Roman law and English law. Um, and that is the uniform, meaning that's the same code for everybody across the nation. Um, there are international law bodies that incorporate the same types of laws. And I agree, we need to take our Constitution, burn the tens of thousands of pages of illegal and illicit laws that have been created by corrupt politicians since the beginning. Yeah, we could burn the guys who wrote them, too. <laughs> well, that could happen. Um, that goes back to point 18. They fall into that category. I believe in people suffering for the consequence, uh, suffering the consequences of their actions. And in America... It ain't happening. It ain't happening. That's your main problem here. They're going completely the opposite of the direction they should be. States allowing murderers out on no bail. That's just freaking crazy. Anyway, let's go to t point 20, because this, this really addresses the crux of the matter. The state is to be responsible for a re fundamental reconstruction of our whole national education program to enable every capable and industrious German to obtain higher education and subsequently introduction to learning leading positions. The plans of instruction of all educational institutions are to conform with the experiences of practical life. When was the last time you saw a home economics or a shop class in a school? The comprehension of the concept of the state must be striven for by the school. 
as early as the beginning of understanding. We demand the education at the expense of the state of outstanding, intellectually gifted children. Yeah, no pelgrants. Of, of poor parents without consideration to position or profession. Yeah, Harvard, you, your mom and dad, they're both uh, uh, alumni, so you get to come to Harvard. Bullshit. Yeah. If you don't have an aptitude you for a it, you're not going to get grade no training. Average and you're going to Harvard. Why, why, why a guy with a 4.0 is sitting home working on the farm. This, this is what's wrong with our country. I mean, you've got idiots. Idiots have been put in a position of power. Uh, and our, our educational system, my God, I... I I included an article by Dr. Nassani. He used to write with me on Veterans Today. He has some good articles. I, I think I said this in the beginning. I get sidetracked. But I, he goes into our educational system. Do you realize that in the 19th century, America was considered like uh, the, the, the garden spot? Of the, we were the intellectual highlight of the entire world. Uh, our, our, our school system worked in just like the one. We had an, over a 90% literacy rate. And our school system worked just like it did in the ancient Greek Athens. It was small. It was privatized. It was short. It was sweet. And if you wanted to go on, you went on, and you got special help from mentors that, that, that knew what they were talking about. There was no inculcation. Uh, you went to school five, six years. You learned how to read, write, uh, basic mathematics so you can run a business. And that's that's it. That's and then it. you went on to do what yeah. you were most Learn apt a trade. to do. Right. You learned to trade. You went to higher education. But there was observation of the individual by the educators, by the parents, so that that individual was able to be guided and directed to that thing that they were most suited for, whether it was farming or astrophysics. Or a kid from the farm could go into astrophysics because they had an aptitude for it. And therein lies the difference today. They're pushing, pushing, pushing college so that they can continue to get those high-dollar loans, more usury, more interest, so on, so on, so on. And at the same time, they're not teaching Jack. Right. What, the, what they wind up, well, they're not teaching Jack, as a matter of fact. Uh, <laughs> Uh, but the, the whole system has, has gone awry. It's, it's 100%, 180 degrees different than what it should be. The, uh, and the Germans, during that period, 1930 to 1941, 42, you hear so much down uh, about the Hitler youth well, Hitler Youth was the entire nation's children. Those children were, were being trained not only in reading, writing, arithmetic, physical characteristics were built. They had to do physical activity as part of their daily uh, routines. But more importantly, they were taught the foundation of their culture. They were taught the history of their nation and their people. When was the last time an American said, oh, I'm proud to be an American based upon facts? There isn't anything to be proud of at the moment. There's nothing. These people have totally devastated the entire education system, and, and until it changes and is maintained in that changed state to that which is best for the individual and the state, not just for the money makers. We're screwed. 
we are definitely screwed. Well, with these teachers, <laughs> let me tell you something. It's, uh, everybody gets, uh, oh, well, they shut the country down for two years. They didn't allow kids to go to school. You know, you're blaming the wrong people for that one. Uh, I don't think you can blame Pfizer for that one. You know who really did shut the schools down? It was the Teachers Association, all right? And I was laying on the beach in New York with these, these school teachers, you know, on field three where they like to go. And I'm listening to them. They were laughing about it, man. They, they were off all summer. They were off all year. And they were talking about how they were going to keep the schools closed for the next year. Uh, they loved this. They're the ones who pushed the closing the schools. These, these people all need to lose their I don't want them anywhere near my children. And it's, How about the freaks with the mutilated faces and the nose rings and pink hair? They were tra tra training your kids to uh, not know whether they're a boy or a girl. And sex change operations. This is it's now to the point where uh, this has to be dealt with. And I'm not talking about at the, at the, the election booth. It, ha it has to be dealt with by the parents at the schools, and until the parents are educated, it's not going to change. You, you, you took my kid to a transvestite story hour. Well, that, you're as good as dead when I find out. You're as good as dead in the 90s. I'm coming looking for you. I might come looking for your whole family. Well, your teacher would try that. Are you kidding me? Well, I've, I've discussed uh, with a uh, number of people what... It, what and how long, even if we did make a change, how long it takes that change to to ripple through the entire culture. And by gosh, you're talking two cycles of school, meaning at least 20 years. You know, if somebody goes to school for eight years, that would be 16 years of two cycles. It would take that long to inculcate back into the society, the culture that has been lost. We've got two generations destroyed, destroyed by totally. these, these people. Totally, totally, totally. And uh, we should have been watching. There were laws in place like the Taylor laws to prevent them from unionizing and creating this monster that they've created. But uh, they were not enforced. Again, our politicians, are uh, they... Well, it's a money-making monster. Yeah, well, and vote making too. They can make or break oh, a gosh, politician, yes. and that's what they—that's what they use this power for, and that's how they got all that power. Uh, all right, let's go. We can let's go to the next one, which is the state is to care for the elevating national health by protecting the mother and child, by outlawing child labor, by the encouragement of physical fitness, by means of the legal establishment of a gymnastic and sports obligation by the, most, the utmost support of all organizations concerned with the physical instruction of the young. How, how many of our uh, uh, digital world living current crop of children could get out and run a quarter mile or do 20 push-ups? That's another thing. That goes back to the educational system again. Uh, I went to Catholic school and uh, gym class, we had this guy... Mr. Savage. And Mr. Savage was like a Nazi. He was a savage. Saint. Yeah. He would make us do push-ups and chin-ups and sit-ups. And, uh, you know, I was in pain for weeks when I first started going to these gym classes. But, you know, it pays off because we didn't have no fat kids in school either. I don't think I can think of one kid that was morbidly obese. 
he couldn't make it through Savage's class if he walked. Uh, so that's that's what we need. That's what we need. Hey, these phones. You leave your phone home when you go to school. First of all, you work on the school computer. You don't take your phone with you, and and and, and, and you do you do your rec rec. You you get out there. You do exercise. You play handball. You play basketball. You play, uh, play baseball. I don't like football so much. Too much hitting in the heads together. But uh, the rest they of them, need it. <laughs> well, I, I think boxing should be taught to these kids. I, I think uh, martial arts should definitely be taught. I just don't like that banging together of heads in football. It's just, you know, all these guys, football guys, they end up getting brain damage. Well, anyway. considering physical fitness, that is as much a state job as it is a parental job. I think it comes it's back the to the The educational parents. system, yeah. And parents and education... Uh, I know for a fact that within the educational system of the 90s, uh, there wasn't a whole lot of physical activity taught. But if the parents are involved, those kids can become part of a sports program in school if they want to play baseball, basketball, football, soccer, whatever it happens to be, because now they're going to learn the discipline and the regimen of practice and see the results of practice and, and all of the things that are developed by sports. But the parents have to, to be involved in that. I know for certain that the girls that my daughter played volleyball with, many, many of them didn't have parents ever come to their practices or games. And boy, I tried to make every one of them I could because of my work schedule, I was able to. And those girls, all of them, wanted that approval and, and sought the approval that they were doing well and they were succeeding. And I would have 10 girls around me at the end of a practice wanting to hear what I thought, not what their coach thought, but what I thought. And, and so it's an important social development tool as well. Let's go on to number 22. This is a big one. We demand the abolition of the mercenary troops and formation of a national army. Unless we're in a state of war, the United States Constitution says we don't have a standing army. We've got militias in each state that come under the president in the, the necessity of a war or a national emergency. Uh, this, to me, says that we need to revert back to that in the United States. Um, as is laid out in the Constitution. And these militias, they could be used to build up the infrastructure. They don't have to drill on war 24-7. I mean, uh, say you do a two-year stint with a militia, uh, obligatory draft, okay? The majority of that time will be spent repairing roads, bridges, stuff like that. Learning your trade. B building municipal projects that are going to bring in revenue for the state, like, like Veteran Vision. Uh, also, the army can be put to really good uses instead of killing brown people for oil companies. If, if but, they fall under the state as opposed to right, the national army. Right. Because of the limitations that are put on a national army by the, the Constitution. Now, FDR did this, and, and as did... Uh, Hitler. They both had work programs. What was that book? What was that book? It, it was book. the uh, Three New Deals. Right. Good and book. It, it's good a very book. good Read book. It. it it covers FDR's New Deal, Hitler's New Deal, and Mussolini. Mussolini's New Deal, and it shows the commonality 
in their responses to the depression. And one of those was to put those men, those idle men to work. In this country, it was the CCP and they built roads, they built national forests, they built dams. All of these people were hired by the federal government to build up the infrastructure in this country. If you've ever driven on an Autobahn, that was part of the German let's get out of the depression program. Uh, I, I've, it's the most beautiful road in the world. It is. There man. is no doubt. All concrete, too. There's no potholes on the Autobahn, man. <laughs> That's, and trucks, they can't go out of the right-hand lane. they got to do 60. But on the left-hand lane, do 150. They're happy. They don't care. And they have less accidents than we do and less fatal accidents, too. So that's a workable solution, and a workable solution on my part is the abolition of a standing army in this country, uh, maintaining a Coast Guard and a minimal amount of seafaring in the form of a Navy to keep what we have in place. But the, uh, the Coast Guard is vital. I grew up as a fisherman, I'll tell you. Those guys save more lives. Than right. And, they, and they're aware of what's going on on our coast. Um, next, we come to the, uh, a big one that, that we've faced as the Jack Hart organization. Um, and it has to deal with not only censorship, but lies and conspiracy, conspiracy theories and so on. And what's in the national interest as well. Number 23, we demand legal opposition to known lies and their promulgation through the press. In order to enable the provisions of a German press, we demand that all writers, employees of the, and employees of the newspapers appearing in the German language be members of the race. Thank you. Thank you. Okay? Now, when you people read the New York Times or, or the Washington Post... I think it behooves you to remember these writers that are writing there, they're writing for Israel, they're writing for the British Empire, uh, and they're writing for the European Union and the World Economic Forum. They're not writing for you, and most of them are foreigners, I got news for you. Why, why I turn on the TV set, I got to see, I gotta see a, dozen, a dozen British guys, uh, they're, they're all the experts on my news in, in America. Did you ever ask yourself that question? What is... What is that guy, Piers, whatever his name is? Piers Morgan. Piers, what is he doing in our media? What is he doing there? Why doesn't he go on the BBC? He's is he a gay enough? He's a naturalized citizen. Yeah. He, he went through the process. Right. Okay, so next, no, part B to 23 is non-German newspapers require, required to have the express permission of the state to be published. They may not be printed in the German language. So you're not going to get... Xinhua news play, uh, or well, Fox News. Fox News just went out the window because Rupert Murdoch's an Australian. He's not an American. So, Part C: Non-Germans are forbidden by law any financial interest in German publications or any influence on them. And as a punishment for violations, the closing of such a publication, as well as the immediate expulsion from the country of the non-German concerned. Publications which are counter to the general good are to be forbidden. We demand legal prosecution of artistic and literary forms which exert 
a destructive influence on our national life, and the closure of organizations opposing the above demands. And thus we have what German, what's called German anti-Semitism. Because let me tell you something. You institute that right here now, and Israel's population just expanded by a couple of million people. All, all the Israeli journalists have to leave the country, and, and the people that sponsor them and their agents. Goodbye. Get out. Get out. Go to Israel. Uh, t t t you cannot have foreigners writing newspapers in this country that is, uh, and, and, and they've eroded our, come, come on, we need, do, need we go through how they've eroded our culture? Need we go through what we're looking at now? This is the end result. They don't care. They just leave. They go to Israel when they destroy your country. They go to gated communities in London. Uh, they, go, they go back to Europe and live in their castles. Uh, Frankfurt. Uh, and their gated, uh, those, those high-rises they all live in. They're a disease, man. They're a disease. And they have no business putting out the news. I don't know who owns the New York Times or the Washington Post. I, well, I know the Jews own the New York Times. I don't know if they're Israelis or Americans, but they're definitely, they, they're not, they're, their sympathies lie with Israel, not with America. They're all propaganda machines. They don't belong owning the big papers. The paper of record, the New York Times is the paper of record. Excuse me? The New York Times is, is a communist rag. It's, it's worse than Pravda ever was. Go ahead, Bill. Point 24. We know what's going on with censorship. This was a, a push for censorship, but a solid foundation of that is within the Constitution, Article 1. Anyway, let's go on to 24. We demand freedom of religion for all religious dominations within the state so long as they do not endanger its existence or oppose the moral senses of the Germanic race. The party as such advocates the standpoint of a positive Christianity without binding itself confessionally to any one denomination. It combats the Jewish materialistic spirit within and around us and is convinced that a lasting recovery of our nation can only succeed from within on the framework common utility precedes individual utility well we know for a fact that that common utility versus individual or prece preceding individual utility that is a uh, is something that is lost and, it, and it's a spirit of leadership when you say i'm going to do this not in my interest but in your best interest so that that particular point we, is addressed in our Constitution very well, though there are some restrictions, and those would certainly have to be looked at. The next point, point Let 20. Just add go ahead. Okay, this is a victory for all you uh, Christians out there, because, you know, we frequently argue, and me and my posse of writers, uh, we don't like to acknowledge that, that, uh, that National Socialism has uh, any attachment to Christianity because we consider Zionist Christianity to be the biggest problem with this country and we don't want to encourage it. But, okay, point 24, Christian, from a stand, positive Christianity without binding itself confessionally to one denomination is National Socialist Party policy. 
Okay, so that's a victory for you guys, and I'll admit that uh, I have to back off of uh, my uh, my paganism, uh, uh, my strong paganist uh, pagan stance, uh, because it's right here in writing in point twenty four, Christianity, positive Christianity. So maybe you guys on the pulpit, maybe you can do something, uh, something positive yeah, toward, toward besides teach, pushing vaccines, to teaching children. morals, yeah, kill them, teaching yeah. moral lessons to the culture again, and maybe start talking about these these twenty five points here because these people they need leadership, they need guidance, and they're looking to you guys to do it. So why don't you do it instead of instead of backing the, uh, these 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 the big money Zionist Christianity bullshit so you can drive a Lamborghini around where your your flock is driving uh, beat up pickup trucks. Go ahead, Bill. Well, it, it all comes down to the discussions that we have all the time regarding a moral and ethical underpinning. That's not being taught in schools. It's not certainly not being taught by any governmental agencies, and and it's not being taught from the pulpit. In most instances, uh, what you find is is watered down vanilla pablum that uh, doesn't sh- teach the common courtesies, let alone a strong moral and value based underpinning of the culture. And, and the American culture is no culture any longer. It's whatever, whatever an individual wants it to be, regardless of the effect it has on others. Well, thanks to the New York Times book review it is. You know, we can get rid of that. Uh, we're on our way. I wrote a book about being a man, and uh, I'm lucky if I sold 500 copies. And uh, <laughs> what's in that book? It should have been a national bestseller. It's a true story about the uh, Amityville Horror. It starts there, and it just goes on and on from there. You like you like Mikey Franchese on TV. It tells you the inside story with that. Uh, but no, it's been declared pornography, and uh, they were telling people the book was unavailable from its first day's opening. Uh, oh, Amazon was, yeah. yeah they, they destroyed it. They destroyed it. I, I suggest you go buy go Get it from Barnes & Noble, but get the hardcover. It's going to be worth money someday. Screw these guys. They, 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 they think they rule the world. They don't. Uh, that, as you can see now, they're losing their grip. Let's do the 25th point, Bill. This one's really important as far as what Hitler said. For the execution of all of this, we demand the formation of a strong central power in the Reich, unlimited authority of the central parliament over the whole Reich and its organizations in general, the forming of state and profession chambers for the execution of the laws made by the Reich within the various states of the Confederation. The leaders of the party promise, if necessary by sacrificing their own lives, to support by the execution of the point set forth above without consideration. That's pretty much the same conclusion that uh, the signers of our Constitution made when they said they they would uh, and were signing the Declaration of Independence, foregoing their fortunes and their lives to support well, that declaration it, and the Constitution. You and I are doing it right now, right here. Uh, as, as, as guns are sitting right behind them as I'm talking to them. <laughs> uh, uh, that, 
you know, we're taking a chance. Like I just told you, my career has been ruined as a writer. I've been thrown off of Patreon. I've been thrown off of both social medias. Uh, they, they killed my book. Your traffic uh, is limited. Yeah. Uh, my money's limit being limited on Substack now. We, we gotta, we'll figure out a way out of this. Bill, Bill's pretty good with this stuff. Uh, and he's so are others. He's we're working it. Yeah. He's determined. I don't like to. He says I'm a, I'm a pessimist. He gets mad at me. But in any case, uh, this point 25 is very important, as far as Hitler said. Uh, the thing, the problem with capitalism, and you should never say you're a capitalist because we're not capitalists. We're in a free market system. Uh, capitalism is ruled by the billionaires. That's what we got now. This is what Hitler hated. This is what he was, it's globalization, which is what he was fighting against. He said it, you, you, you know, with, with a democracy, with capitalism, what you get is you get the billionaires. They take over, they take over the school system. They take over the, 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 the media. They take over the political system and they take over the judicial system. And, and without a strong centralized government, you, there's no way to control these guys, and that's what we got now. We got, we got billionaires gone wild, for Christ's sakes. Look at Bill Gates. He he's, he's Snoop. Do he's he's a nerd nerd version of Snoop Dogg. One of the things that uh, I've brought up in discussions with numerous folks is the difference between that point point twenty five huge strong central government which is what's happening in this nation now versus an interim of the that sort to reestablish the constitution as it was written i don't see much in the way of uh difficulty in implementing that and re-implementing the Constitution and Constitution and common law with a short, albeit for most people they would think it was long, 20-year period where there was a strong central government with the proviso that at the end of that time when the elect federal elections are, are uh, suspended, Congress is suspended. That would only be for a period of time. And every bit of what is done by the federal government during that time is in line with the Constitution. What this ultimately would do is would be to give the individual states time to rehire all of those federal workers that got put out of work and to implement into their educational system and their societies the the things that are necessary for the states to control no longer abdicating their responsibility as a a social order and local communities to reestablish their controls uh, as desired by the people that would be a 20 to 40 year proposition of a strong central government and then getting away from that through the implementation of elections. That would be the only way you could save the union, per se. Uh, if you want to save, preserve the union, and I don't know if it can be preserved. I think California and I think New York are lost. That's why I left New York. Uh, but I think Texas, Florida, 
Tennessee, uh, those states can be saved. Uh, and uh, in order to save them, I know we're talking about, uh, I'm all for states, I'm for, I'm for county rights, actually. But uh, in order to root out these, these billionaire cancer that's, that's in, uh, entwined itself around every facet of our society, we're going to need a strong central government. People that are dedicated, uh, people that are not afraid to die for what they believe in. Uh, he who has the most money shouldn't be the one that always wins. It shouldn't be the one that wins at all. You know how you get the most money? By cheating the most people. You know what? Real man, he gets enough money to take care of his, uh, and he walks away. He, he don't keep taking. He don't keep taking like some goddamn stalling. Uh, you ever see the stallings when they go to a bird feeder? You have to stop feeding the rest of the birds. All right? You don't need to do that. You take what you need, and you leave the rest for others. Uh, everyone who becomes a billionaire, they don't go by that. They grew up. Most of the time, they're like little faggots. You got guys like Bill Gates, or, uh, no, Yuval Noah Harari. These guys, these are the guys who got beat up and, and their lunch money taken in school. Or guys like Calgary who got called a half-breed by, uh, by, in Japan and Austria. They hate, they hate the human race, okay? And this is their revenge. This is revenge of the nerds for them. Go ahead, Bill. I'm, I'm just about done with this. Uh, I would like to bring up uh, Nassani's. I'm going to conclude Nassani's article with this. He's an academic. Uh, I don't necessarily agree with everything he says. But like Bill says, he's got all the problems but none of the solutions. The 25 points are all for solutions. Uh, and they worked, too. These are not theoretical. Uh, like I said, within two years, Germany was the economic powerhouse of Europe from being the, uh, the child in the gutter. And the Americans, uh, many walk-a-day Americans, saw that it worked. They saw it work. You've seen the pictures in, in uh, New York City of the meetings that were being held. Many English people, too, wanted to adopt National Socialism, too. You know, it was our oligarchy that didn't want it. Uh, and we always have to do what they want, it seems. Uh, we never get what we want because they control the damn media. That's why. Uh, let me go through this point six. Let me see here if I can find it even. This article is so long here. Well, while, while Jack's looking for that article, I'm going to ask you again to like and share these posts. Um, that's the only way it's getting out there. It's the only way people are being awakened to the fact that there are workable frameworks to change what's going on here and now to something that is, is more in line with humanity as opposed to us and them. All right. Well, it's sixth pillar of American democracy, the inculcated nonviolence creed. Now, myself and Dr. Stuart Bramhall, well, she was a representative of Black Panthers, and now, believe it or not, she's more right-wing than I am. But uh, she got run out of the country. She's in New Zealand. Uh, and an, an econo economist that used to work for, I forgot his name, he used to work for Zero Hedge. And we used to always discuss this, like, what is violence? What is violence? The state commits violence against its citizens all the time. I, I told you this last week. Uh, 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 taking your farmland, uh, burning your food, your food processing plants, 
uh, forcing your children to have sex change operations, forcing you out of the education of your, your children in school, uh, forcing you to wear masks, forcing you to take a freaking unproven vaccine that was never scientifically tested. Now it's killing millions of people. They can't even hide it. This is all violence. This is all violence. And this is like... They, they, uh, let me read this to you. In the 8th century, most Americans would probably have agreed with Thomas Jefferson that the tree of liberty must be refreshed from time to time with the blood of patriots and tyrants. Needless to say, the outset and following perhaps of their Roman isles, America's oligarchs well knew that only real threat to the rule of was, was a strategically executed violent uprising, an uprising that, among other things, would have targeted them personally. So they cynically convinced the majority of decent people everywhere that it's okay for them, the oligarchs, to murder and poison millions and destroy the very foundations of life on earth, but that it is immoral for their victims to save billions of lives, to save freedom, decency, and justice, to save life itself by giving these marauders a tiny bit of their own blood-soaked medicine. And he goes on from there, but I don't think I need to read no more. Uh, you're not a fucking capon, all right? You're a rooster. And if they want to push it so far as they're going to be confiscating farmland, they're going to be forcing your children to be injected with poison, they got a war coming. I don't care what they say about violence. Yeah, no, violence is the, violence is the final, final solution. Get real, all right? That's why every country has a military. When it comes down to it, we got to fight about it. We don't talk about it. As a matter of fact, Frederick Nietzsche said everything in philosophy was dialectic. And the strong man says nothing. And when he needs to, he gets busy. So it's time for the strong men among us to get busy. Here's what's going to happen, ultimately. Whether, whether it is uh, in our lifetime or the next generation, we are going to see a, an uprising. The uprising of the common man because the common man is being put down. The 25 points that we've covered from the National Socialist Plank of 1920 and all of these people that, that have, we've studied and put together and talked about all lead to the end result that there is going to be, sooner or later, that violent uprising. And I have always considered that to be a last resort but now having come to the conclusion that it's going to happen all of us need to be thinking looking discussing the end result of that when when all of them are gone what does the end result look like do you want one world all brown or do you want individual cultures interacting pleasantly with each other to the benefit of both cultures, whether they be European or states within a united confederation of federated states. There's, there's a lot of things that have to be looked at, but it's ultimately going to come down to, when it's all said and done, what are you doing locally and then moving outward to make those communication lines with those farther out, whether that it be at a state level, a national level, or a global level, and national governments dealing with each other. 
that status quo of today cannot go on. So the discussions really need to be, and that's what we're doing here, is what's coming next. After that uprising is done, and there's millions and millions of dead in the streets, and the bodies have been buried and burned, what then? That's the thing to be thinking of and planning for. Whether we see, see it through alive or not remains to be seen, and it's not really up to us one way or the other. But think about what you want the end result to look like. Jack, you want to wrap us up? I think you wrapped us up just fine, Bill. I, 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 I've said a lot today. Uh, I, I, I want you to understand that, you know, you can't just sit around and do nothing. You sit around and do nothing, you're waiting to die. As uh, senile Satan made clear to you a couple of weeks ago, they're coming for you. They're coming for you. And even the old guys can do something. They can teach oh, the I younger. I don't want to hear that shit about. That's a, uh, an excuse. It's an excuse. Old guys, not. I hear it all the time so, now. I mean, this old guy, he'll go he'll step in the ring with most most many young most young men. Okay, they don't hit me; they get knocked out. When they hit me; they probably knock me out because your jaw ain't as good at sixty. But the right hook's still there, man. Uh, so I, 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 we're gonna fight. I'm ready to fight, man. Well, I spent an hour. On Bill's the range got his gun stacked up behind him. <laughs> I spent an hour on the range. And he's trained and he's a combat veteran. Uh, we're not just and talking, man. Training. We so will put our lives where our mouths are. Every day. Every day. And I'll leave you with that. Thanks for joining us for today's Conversations from the Porch. To view and listen to Jack's work, subscribe at jackhart.substack.com. We hope you found today's conversation interesting and informative. Join us next time for Jack Hart's Conversations from the Porch.